I think I moved 28 times before I was 21 years old. Recently, I'm much as in a bottle of Tennessee. I don't know, but I'm willing to find out one shot at a time. That's right, one shot at a time. Everybody, one shot at a time. Bartender, keep them coming till I'm out of my mind. One shot at a time. There's a lot of reasons why I should not, but a whole lot more why I should. Got some catching up with some friends of mine. One shot at a time. That's right, one shot at a time. Drink it with me, one shot at a time. Bartender, keep them coming till I'm out of my mind. You're listening to One Shot at a Time from Shelley King's latest album, Kick Up Your Heels. The following chat with Shelley King took place at One to One Bar in Austin, Texas, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. We were footloose and mask-free while discussing her nomadic childhood, collaborating with Marsha Ball and Carolyn Wonderland, and how the magic of Woodstock materialized into an ode to the late, great Levon Helm. Shelley answers fan questions at the end. Is one of them yours? Well, let's find out and get the party started. It's time for Backstage Chats with Women in Music, where the stories and voices of female music makers inspire women like you to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash your inner rock star. Podcasting from Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world, here's your host, Thea Wood. Welcome to Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I'm your host, Thea Wood. Today, we're chatting with singer-songwriter, band leader, and the first woman to be appointed official state musician of Texas by the state legislature in 2008. She's the boot-scootin', whiskey-shootin' darling of Texas music royalty. Please welcome the incredibly talented Shelley King. Hello. I like that. Boot-scootin', whiskey-shootin', <laughs> right on. Well, I think that captures the spirit of it, don't you? I do. I do. I'm going to start using that from now on. That's going to be in my quote under my name. Anytime you see my name, you'll go, I came up with that. See, there you go. Well, I love that. I'm in. Today, we are actually recording at the wonderful one-to-one bar in Austin, Texas. And I have to say, this has become one of my favorite live music venues in the city. How about you? I love this place. This is a great, great place for live music. It's just amazing. The sound is great. They shoot videos here. There's not a bad place to be in the room to see a show. They're, all the sight lines are perfect. The sound is wonderful. It's a full bar. I love it. Parking's easy. I mean, it's everything. Okay, people, this is the funny part. You're usually not expecting to hear that yeah. a venue this awesome is in a strip mall, but it is. And not only that, like Shelly said, there is amazing parking here, which is also a hot commodity around here. And so I enjoy coming every time, and especially because I think they have a knack for booking really talented acts like yourself. I agree. I love it. I've seen a lot of shows here, and I've played a lot of shows here, and it's One of my absolute favorite places. Well, we should just get down to the nitty gritty and start with the good old shakedown, which is a set of questions that we ask all of our special guests. Are you ready to jump in? I am ready. All right, let's do this. All right, the first question is, who was your first concert? Well, I have to say my first concert that I got to go to, like a big concert, Hall & Oates. I was, I was like 15 years old, and I think us got to go with our parents chaperoning us, and it was pretty amazing. Favorite song? Of Hall & Oates? Um, She's Gone. Love that Such one. Such a good one. Or Sarah Smile. Maybe. Oh, another good one. 
Okay, next question. What was the first album that you bought with your own money? I saved my allowance and I rode my bike to the stop and go, which they don't even have stop and goes anymore. It's a convenience store and they actually sold vinyl albums and I bought the vinyl album of Fleetwood Mac Rumors. Yeah, one of my favorites from when I was young. Dating myself, I'm sure, but it was a great album and I wore it out. Oh, so did I. I think I had it on cassette. I probably did too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next shakedown question. Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? I have the brand new Subdudes CD. It's called Lick Skillet. It just came out and I just got it and I can't stop listening to it. It's absolutely wonderful. Well, and you're good friends with the Subdudes. I am. For those who aren't familiar with them, they're a New Orleans band and they're soulful and have amazing harmonies and they're a lot of fun, and I just saw them recently live, and they put on such a great live show, and it just, they remind me that they don't take themselves all that seriously. They have so much fun, and they just, ah, oh, they're just so refreshing, and I got the album and I popped it in, and they take you through a roller coaster of all of that, of silliness, of seriousness. It's just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Well, everyone, you've got one to add to your playlist per Shelley's referral. Next question. Which woman has had the most influence on your career? I'd have to say it's probably uh, maybe Marsha Ball, good friend of mine. And um, she's really been a great mentor to me. We started hanging out probably 12 years ago or something like that. And we started by going walking every day around Town Lake or Lady Bird Lake now in Austin. And she's my walking buddy, but she was really my sounding board for my whole career and plans, you know, recording records, everything. And she's been just a wonderful mentor for me and has taken me under her wing. And I gotten to do some really cool things with her. Like I got to be one of her backup singers on her recent Austin City Limits Hall of Fame television show, and uh, she's just amazing, and I think she's had a big influence on me. Well, she's a good one to have. Yeah, I agree. One of our last questions, if you could have dinner with any woman dead or alive, who would it be? Now, my first thought was former Governor Ann Richards, but I recently got turned on to Lizzo's music, and I'm thinking maybe if I could have dinner with Lizzo and Ann Richards, that'd be one cool dinner cool dinner party. And can you imagine the commentary, just the running commentary? It would just be positivity all the way around. And a lot of sarcasm. Totally. Ah, it would be amazing. I would love it. Well, I heard she cleared the park at ACL. I've heard great things about both of her shows she did at ACL. And I've just been, I've had her running nonstop in my head ever since she came to town. I've been listening to her music and I think her message is beautiful, and I think she's awesome. I do, too. I agree. Well, here we are to our last shakedown question, which is, what is one life goal you'd like to achieve before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? Man, I'm hoping there's an elevator, not a stairway, but uh, I've always wanted to win a Grammy, and uh, we could put that out there. At least get nominated for a Grammy. That would be really cool. That would be, that's a huge life goal, so. Okay. There it is. Well, from your lips to God's ears, right? Right on. (laughs) I'm all for it. I'll vote for you if they let me. Hear that, God? I think she's listening. 
I think she is too. All right. Well, we made it through the shakedown and Yay. still feeling pretty good. Yay. Yay. All right. The mortality question didn't put us down. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to the show. We'd like to thank our Shoppers Club partner for supporting Horizon Music Foundation and the Backstage Chats with Women in Music podcast. Shoppers Club preferred members have access to over 500 eco-friendly health, household, and beauty products delivered straight to their door. More information is available at greenrushaustin.com. Again, that is greenrushaustin.com. You can help Horizon Music Foundation uplift female trailblazers and rising stars in music. Go to backstagechats.com and click the donate button. For as little as $10 per month, your recurring monthly gift provides the education, experience, and role modeling our next generation of female music makers need to be successful in the music industry. Visit backstagechats.com and click donate. Join our tribe of dreamers, rule breakers, and rock stars. And we're back. Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I am Theo Wood, your host, and we are sitting here on stage at the One to One Bar in Austin, Texas, which we love, with the great Shelly King. The first thing that I want to let people know is that the first time that I talked to Shelly was after a show, and I came up and we started chit-chatting about the podcast and about her t-shirts and about her whiskey shots that she sells. And uh, these are shot glasses, excuse me, not shots, whiskey shot glasses. And she says, well, let me introduce you to my intern. And my jaw dropped because I've interviewed a lot of musicians throughout the years, and I've talked to a lot of musicians, and not once have I had one say, let me introduce you to my intern. So I just am dying to know, what inspired you to get an intern in the first place? I'm very lucky to have a wonderful intern. Amzie is my intern, and she's absolutely wonderful. But I have been part of this internship program at Texas State University for probably the last about 14 years. The intern coordinator for the sociology department was a fan of mine, and she came up to me one night and said that she had someone who needed an internship, and she was looking for a placement for them, and they were interested in music, and she wondered if I had any need for an intern. And I said, oh, man, do I? I've got all kinds of things I can get, you know, I need some help with. And I think I was putting out a record at the time, and there's so much work to putting out your own record and to being an independent musician. And so I said, heck yeah. And uh, so I've been part of the internship program for a long time, and it's, it's really wonderful. They send great, great interns and some better than others. And I think Amzie is probably the best. Aww. Now, do you have like a big mixture of male and female interns? How does that work? I do. I've probably had more guys than girls, but I have had a number of female interns. And I don't ever choose. I mean, it's just whoever fits the bill. Usually they choose their own internships. And some people want to go internship for a nonprofit or some kind of social work or something. And sometimes they they are more interested in music or marketing or just being independent. And that's where I come into play. And so I kind of teach them if, if they're looking to have a music career or an independent career of their own, they can learn from me on how to do that. Well, I think it's a perfect example of women mentoring women in a way that is positive, that goes toward their education and we need more opportunities like this. I have to say, I've reached out to a couple of universities about internship programs, and 
haven't even heard back from the universities. So I know, shocking, right? Mm, that is shocking. I mean, so the fact that you got that in and have been working with all these interns through the years is so inspiring. And I might be asking you later for contact information because just putting it out there, I too could use an intern. Maybe you should check the sociology department. I think I'm going to have to give them a ring. I also wanted to talk a little bit about Shelly growing up as a young person, since we're talking about young people. And you basically traveled a lot between Texas and Arkansas, where you grew, where you were born, with your mom. And she's a single mom, right? Actually, not really. I did grow up between Arkansas and Texas, and my mom was a single mom from time to time. I think my mom had a habit of making bad choices in marriage, and she was perpetually married to the wrong people. And I kind of went between my mom's house and my grandmother's house. And I think I moved 28 times before I was 21 years old. Now I've been in Austin since 1992, and this is the longest I have ever lived anywhere. And so I really feel like I have roots and I'm solid and I'm, you know, I'm really like I'm home. I'm so home and I'm not moving around. Although I, you know, I do have Everywhere I go, I feel at home because I'm kind of used to being nomadic and right. comes it's in my blood. So that makes touring easy. And this all comes through, by the way, in your music. I mean, the songs that you write, you have an album called Welcome Home. You have songs that call my heart, talking about your heart taking you home. So is that how you really felt after you had settled into Austin? Is that a lot about having that one place where the people and the community are for you? Yeah, I do think so. Probably. I never really thought about it that way, but Call of My Heart was the title of my first album that I put out as Shelly King. I had done recordings with other bands that I had had band names for, but they weren't full albums. They were EPs or cassettes or things like that. And so the first full-length CD I put out, I put out as Shelly King, and I called it Call of My Heart. And yeah, I think that's it. I think I had, I felt settled and I felt at home and I felt like that's what all of this was, was my heart. What was the music in my heart and the music in my soul was finally like settling and letting me know my own path. And I felt like I finally could figure out my own direction rather than trying to figure it out. It kind of told me how it was going to be. So, And things kind of found direction, or should I say, came full circle with your mom, too, because there was a little bit of a fairy tale situation that happened. I don't know about you, but when I was young, I had a very long period where I really wanted my divorced parents to get back together. I'm assuming you at least had those thoughts. I think probably everybody who has divorced parents probably wants that. But my parents actually divorced when I was a baby. So I didn't even meet my dad till I was 18. And I really didn't really get to know him. I kind of met him a few times. And then I'm guessing about 17 years ago, he showed up at one of my gigs and my mom was there. And they met each other again. And it was, it kind of made me crazy because I saw him and I saw her, but they didn't see each other. And I'm on stage. And on stage. I was on stage. And so like every time they'd walk past each other, I was like having a heart attack. And so after the show, I went down and was talking to my mom and he walks up to me and suddenly I found myself like standing between them and I couldn't take it anymore. I was said, I, I can't take it. I go, do you guys know each other? And they looked at each other because they hadn't seen each other in 30 years or something. 
they looked at each other and I said, mom, this is dad, dad, mom. And then I just slipped away. And turns out, I guess they exchanged emails and phone numbers and started talking. And, and over, you know, the next months they were getting together and hanging out. And before you know it, she's all in love. And yeah, and they got remarried in, in my backyard about four years after that. Were you singing in the wedding? I don't think I sang. My mom sang, though. Yeah, my mom sang to my dad. That was cool. I don't think I sang. But it was sweet. It was really cool. It was sweet. And it was kind of a fairy tale, but it was so, it was kind of weird, honestly, you know, because it's such a strange thing to not have him in my life and then to to be an adult and have him back in my life. Everybody's like, oh, you must be so excited. I'm like, well... I guess so. It's now I'm settled with it, but it's taken a while, but I'm settled with it now. And it's wonderful because he has other kids that I've gotten to know. And so I have another brother and another sister and it's, it's wonderful, but it's, you know, it's a whole process and there's a whole lot of forgiveness and you just gotta, you gotta work through it. A little bit of a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. I get it. I get it. So, you know, we talk a lot about collaborations nowadays in modern music. It's the big thing. And for record companies, it's, ooh, how can we expand our audience? Well, let's get this hip-hop person together with this alt-rock person or this, you know, R&B person together with a country person so we can expand our audiences. But you have a lot of collaborations throughout the years that were pretty organic. And what I would consider... One of my favorite collaborations is you and Marsha Ball, who we've already talked about, and of course, the wonderful Carolyn Wonderland. And I'm just calling this the Texas trifecta Mm. because, I mean, how much craziness can you have on one stage putting out music? And there's a little special place about called Woodstock, I believe, that has to do with this. Can you share a little bit of your story on Woodstock and the Texas trifecta? Well, I like your Texas trifecta. Once again, I'm probably going to use that somewhere. That's pretty cool. You know, I told you I have been friends with Marsha for a really long time. I've also been friends with Carolyn for a really long time. I first met Carolyn when she was about 18 years old and in Houston. My band was playing uh, a bar that she was waitressing at. And she already had a music career, but when she wasn't gigging, she was working in the bars and, you know, maybe checking people's IDs or taking cover or serving beer or whatever. And she came up to me at the break and said, hey, can I get up and sing one with your band? And I'm like, well, sure, if you want to. She got up there with my band and just blew the doors off the place. I'm like, oh my God, I quit. You know? (laughs) She's absolutely amazing. Blew my mind. And uh, we've been friends ever since. And that was like a really long time ago. Carolyn likes to say better than 10 years ago. (laughs) Anyway, Carolyn and I have been working together. We have an all-girl rock band called Sis DeVille, which you'll have to check out at some point. And Marsha Ball says that it's her favorite band. So that's pretty cool. But Marsha and Carolyn and I have done a number of shows together. They were hilarious. Marsha has so many funny Christmas songs. And she's a hoot. And she has so much energy. Marsha Ball has so much energy. I can't hardly keep up with her. Nobody can. She's, I don't really think she's human. She might be a robot or an alien. I don't know. But she's, know. she's got an unfathomable, I can't even say that word, amount of energy. She's just amazing. 
And when we get together, we have just a ton of fun. And Woodstock is special to all of us. Carolyn was there doing a ramble with uh, Levon Helm when Levon was alive. And this the rambles, for those who aren't familiar with them, are these shows that he had at his home studio that were open to the public. And they sold tickets to him, but they're big awesome, cool shows. I say big, they're actually small, probably only 150, 200 people there, but big energy, just the coolest, most magical place on earth. And I had the opportunity to go and be a guest on one of those rambles with Carolyn and sing with her band. And then when then her band opened for Levon, and then when his band did their grand finale they did the song the wait and they called up carolyn said hey carolyn come on up here and join us and they looked over and they said hey shelly come on up here too i'm like are you kidding me i got to go sing with levon oh oh what an amazing amazing memory that is and so i totally fell in love with woodstock the very first time i went there and i can't stop going i probably have to go a few times a year for sure it's a magical place. It's really, it's pretty amazing. Do you think it's kind of like in Arizona where they have those spots that are spiritual that you're supposed to go to? Is that what it is? It is. Okay. In Arizona, you're talking about the vortex vortex places. Okay. What they say about Woodstock is they say the veil is very thin in Woodstock. I've felt so many spiritual things and some people are like, oh, it's hokey or whatever. I'm like, whatever you think. I could tell you a whole lot of stories that I won't get into today, but Amazing, amazing things that make you really believe. You know what? And I think that's possible in different areas. Some places just touch you in a certain way and you keep coming back and it's always very dear and near to your heart no matter what. So who are we to not believe? Sitting here on stage at the One to One Bar in Austin, Texas, which we love, with the great Shelly King. She just came out with a new album, Kick Up Your Heels. And her band includes Sarah Brown on bass, Marvin Dykhouse on guitars, vocals, and mandolin, and Chip Dolan on keyboards and accordion, and longtime drummer Perry Drake. This is a very exciting album. I love it. It's very upbeat. One of the first cuts that I heard, however, was a very sweet, more sentimental song called Levon's new drum set. And this was about Levon Helms, who you mentioned earlier in the podcast. And for those of you who need a refresher, he's from the band and he passed away in 2012. And I wanted to get an idea of what it was like putting this song together for him. You had played with him before and how you felt and what you wanted to portray with this song. Well, actually the song came together the weekend that 
Levon passed away. I had gone up to Woodstock to see him perform at a ramble, and I wasn't scheduled to play that ramble, but I um, always had my fingers crossed that maybe I might get called up to sing again on something. But I got word a few days before that he had gone into the hospital and that there wasn't going to be a ramble. But I went ahead and went on to Woodstock and used my time there to do some writing. And one of the things that I wanted to write about was Woodstock and what it meant to Levon and you know why he loved that place and what it was all about, what the music's about, what the place is about, what the ramble was about. And so I sat out on this porch and wrote and wrote for, for a couple of days. I just wrote lyrics and didn't really get the song completely then. But one of those days I sat out there and the storm was kind of brewing all day long. This cloud was gathering and I, I wondered all day if it was really going to break loose. And finally it did. And it was so gorgeous that I didn't want to go inside. So I went and got a, a, a towel and covered myself up so I could still sit out on the porch and just keep writing. And was just listening to all of the sounds of the rainstorm, all of the percussive sounds of, of lightning crashing, of rain hitting this roof of this house, of the water coming through this gutter and, you know, splattering out onto a rock, of it hitting, you know, the, the leaves on the trees in the yard. I mean, there were so many different rhythms. And I thought to myself, you know, if there had been a ramble, it would be happening right now. And this is about the time that Levon would have taken the stage. And so I thought, well, maybe this is the ramble. And maybe that's Levon playing his new drum set. And so that's where the song came from. It's a very interesting recording session. I recorded it with no drums because I didn't think it needed drums. People would say, well, it's about a drummer. You need drums. I go, no, I don't. And this magical thing happened. I decided that I wanted to get Byron Isaacs, who he plays now with the Lumineers. And he played in Levon Helm's band. So he was, you know, in the rhythm section with Levon. So that's a pretty tight relationship between a drummer and a bass player. So I got Byron to play the bass on that. So I thought that's as close as I'm going to get. But I still need something that sounds like a big bass drum because that's a lyric in there. So I started talking to Byron about it and asked him if he had a, a big bass drum that he could like just play with a mallet just every once in a while. Just a, not a drum set going through the song, but just here and there. We asked around and we couldn't find one. And he was recording this in Brooklyn and I was here in Texas and we were calling around and we couldn't find one. And I, I called the studio and talked to the engineer. And this engineer said, wow, that's crazy that you're asking me this. Because just last week, I found a 40-inch bass drum on the street in Brooklyn. Like, you got to be kidding me. This thing is huge. This thing, a 40-inch bass drum is enormous. It makes a stand-up bass look little. It's huge. So we ordered, he didn't even have mallets for it. I ordered some mallets and had them sent to him. And Byron went in there and recorded this. And it's so amazing. And it's so perfect. And it's exactly right. But that when we needed it, this thing just showed up on the street. 
more of the magic, more of the magic the that magic. we're talking about. And, and it's like when something's right, the universe helps it along, yeah. right? And yeah. I think that that's where you were in that situation. But I highly recommend everybody sit down and really, I say put on some earphones. You know, put on some earphones or really blast it out and get the full feel of that non-percussive percussive song. Thank you. So in wrapping up about the new album, Kick Up Your Heels, why Kick Up Your Heels? Well, that song, the title track, Kick Up Your Heels, I wrote with John Magney from The Subdudes. We were actually trying to write some songs for Marsha Ball. She was yeah. recording a record. And we wrote several songs and pitched them to her. And that's one that she didn't record. And we wrote that one for her based on, if you've ever seen Marsha Ball play piano, she always crosses her legs. And when she's playing piano, that heel is just kicking, <laughs> kicking, kicking <laughs> constantly. And in fact, one time I did a show with her and we had these Fitbits, you know, and she took her Fitbit off and put it on her shoe. And she logged like 5,000 steps and two songs or something. It was ridiculous. And, you know, honestly, when I was listening to the music on this one, too, and I think this about a lot of your songs and albums, but really, this is the perfect soundtrack, y'all for having a backyard party. I mean, this is the backyard. Have a bonfire going. People playing guitar maybe in the background, but you want to have some music going. This is the way to go. And so I highly recommend this album and any of Shelly's albums for your backyard party. So we're getting to that fun point where we're going to throw out some fan questions to you. Are you ready for some fan questions? Okay. First one is from Grace in Cedar Park. And she said, when did you decide to pursue music as a career versus just for fun? Ooh, well, you know, since I was a little bitty girl, I wanted to be a singer when I grew up. That's all I ever wanted to do. But there were always people telling me, oh, you'll, you know, you need to get a real job and you can just have singing as a hobby and nobody makes it. You should just have singing as a hobby. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that we tell Kids, but you know, some kids need to be encouraged to go for it. And it took me a while to like really realize that I had to do that or I wasn't going to be happy. And, and you were a paralegal, weren't you? Or um, in the legal, in the I legal was, industry? Well, I was going to college to try to be a lawyer. I was working for a lawyer and I realized then how much I did not like that and how boring it was. And how much I was missing music in my life. And so I, I started going and, and doing community theater. And then that didn't satisfy me. And then i tell you what happened, actually, is I went and saw a blues band play. And I had a few whiskey shots and uh, had a good time. It was a hot, sweaty night in Houston. And everybody was grooving to this band. And I'm like, man, I can do that. And I just decided I had to do it. And I started putting my own band together down in Houston. And when people started hearing me play, they said, what are you doing here? You need to get to Austin. And I got here as soon as I could. And uh, I've been pursuing music as a career, you know, for a long time now. But I, I actually quit. I had a day job that I tried to juggle a day job and music until I was just worn out because, I mean, it's hard to stay up playing shows and, you know, staying out until two in the morning and then be at some meeting at 7 a.m. or something right. at work. It was really wearing me down. And I, I just realized that that's not where I wanted to be. Okay, Grace, there's your answer. <laughs> Our next question is from Adam in Houston. And he says, love the mane. Why do you keep your hair so long? And when was the last time you cut it? I cut it last month. It's super short. You should see me now. 
oh my gosh, it's like almost to your butt. <laughs> <laughs> I actually cut it all the time. It just grows, you know, but look at, check this out. I know you can't see it, but. Um, Is that your bang? That's my bangs. I got some bangs cut. <laughs> okay. And for those of you out there, just so you can see, I'm looking at this and her bangs come down past her chin, probably about to where her necklace is. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I keep my hair so long? You know what? It's actually really easy for me. I don't have to do anything. I'll just wash it and let it dry and boom, there it is. It's in my way. I tie it in a knot. Well, I love it on stage because you always have your fan going and your hair. You look like you're in a music video all the time. I love it. I love cool. it. Well, that's just a bonus because I just have that fan to stay nice and cool. But, you know, we'll pretend it's part of my uh, modeling contract. It's, it's her rock and roll, her TV rock and roll image. <laughs> yeah. We watch YouTube on TV now. Yeah, that's pretty much it, right? All right. We've got our last fan question. And this is from Brooke in Austin. Um, who was your biggest musical influence or idol? I love Tom Petty. Just great songs and simple, great songs. You can think about how many songs of his that you know. And God, that's just storyteller. Amazing. He's such a good storyteller. Totally. Willie Nelson. So many. I could just name those guys. But if you wanted to talk about like uh, women, amazing singers, Aretha Franklin, yeah. Dinah Washington, great guitarist and singer, Bonnie Raitt. Mm-hmm. Mavis Staples, one of my favorite memories of Mavis Staples. Oh, I've got two. I've got two Mavis Staples stories. One was the first time that I got to see her. She was playing in the gospel tent at Jazz Fest in New Orleans, and it was totally packed. But I went around and somehow, somehow walked right up to the front row, right in the center, and the people that were sitting there said, you can sit right in front of us on the ground, no problem, honey. So I sat right there. Mavis came out singing and she looked right at me and she said, sister, as she was singing. And I'm like, she's singing to me. It was so amazing. It was just, just transforming. And some years later, I played a music festival in Syracuse, New York. And after my set was done, I went over and watched her play. Since I was, you know, I had an all access badge. They let me in that little area where they only let photographers right in front of the stage. And my son was just a little bitty baby. He was like, I don't know, eight months old, nine months old at the time. And super cute little bald head, you know. And I had him on my shoulders and I was bouncing him and it distracted Mavis. She was on stage and she could not hardly focus on her show. She kept saying, look at that baby over there. Look at that little baby. That little baby's so cute. Look at that baby. I'm like, she's talking about my baby. Oh, that's so awesome. And so afterwards, I told the promoter of the festival, I go, I've got to meet Mavis. He goes, well, I'm getting ready to take her and her sister over to the merch tent to sign autographs. So get in that Lincoln Continental right there and you can ride with us over there. I'm like, oh my God, yes. So I sat down in the front seat of this Lincoln with my little baby on my lap and she and her sister slide into the back seat. We start to go, and she looks up there, and she goes, hey, that's that little baby. Give me that little baby. And she reaches up there, and she grabs my son and pulls him back there on her lap. And then she and her sister were basically kind of wrestling over my baby. And she put my baby on her lap and was singing to him. And I was just, it was back before we all carried phones with cameras, and I was just pressing that memory into my brain as hard as I could. Oh, And remember back then we used to tell ourselves, nobody's going to believe this. I know. I'm like, somebody's got, somebody out there, if you're a great artist, maybe we could talk and you could maybe paint this memory for me because I would love it. 
Well, Shelly, we're getting ready to wrap up. I am so thankful that you took some time out today. And again, being at One to One Bar this afternoon, we, our mission is to eliminate gender disparity in the music industry because we believe there's room for everyone. And amen. Amen. There is room for everybody. And we love speaking with women like you. Why? Because you remind us to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash our inner rock stars. Thank you so much, everybody. We will see you next time on the podcast. Take care and have a great day. Audio engineering for this episode was provided by Podcast Engineers. Hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. This podcast is a production of the Backstage Chats Foundation, a nonprofit that is on a mission to eliminate gender disparity in the music industry by amplifying the voices and careers of women in music. You can make a difference by donating to the cause. Visit backstagechats.com and click the donate button today.